What I had was that I didn't have a model. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see anyone doing it before I entered. You know, I mean, it's another thing for a lot to put something in your heart, but you've not really seen anyone. So now going around when I got to under level, now afforded me, you know, the opportunity to see at least somebody doing what oh, the Lord has put in my heart to do. So it was that model, and somebody modeling it and doing it okay. that was significantly lacking in my experiences at the time. But the moment I saw someone doing it, see, I just saw those in the peripheral and they're like, oh, this guy started when he was in Toronto. And I'm like, oh, good. I mean, so it's not in final years. I was in Korea. I was like, so it's doable. So let's go for it. My father told me life is not a big This is Origins Africa podcast, where we explore the origin stories of people who have made and are making their dreams come true. Asking the what, the when, the how, and the why. I'm Oshaye, and on this episode, the concluding part of our conversation with Pastor Dili Oshumakinde, we explore the birth and growth of first, the Vessels of Honor Foundation, and then the Baptizing Church. Pastor Dili will talk about sacrifices he's made, his most alone moments, and lessons he's learned on his journey. Pastor Dili is the founding pastor of the Baptizing Church. Over the last episode, we talked about a spectacular encounter Pastor Dilly had that led him to give his life to Christ. The day I gave my life to Christ, nobody invited me. I was on my way home, you know? That kind of encounter you just had with God, and I couldn't just go. And I just had this strong urge, became troubled, go to that fellowship. I'm like, me. You know, then I was a big boy in school, go to fellowship. What would, they, what would the girls say? You know, news would go everywhere. I mean, everybody would be disappointed. But I went. In fact, I still remember the experience. The moment I entered, you see everybody just turning back. As in, if you were just whispering, they don't show me. And the junior, senior, they, I mean, you know, you could see that boy was like, <laughs> what are you doing here? You know? <laughs> and that day, the funny thing is I wasn't in one fellowship, so they were having testimony day. It was a day. So there was no preaching. So the coordinator just said, well, even though we're not preaching today, but eventually there's anyone here who still wants to give his life to Christ, would like the person to come for us so I can pray. And I was the only person. I just went forward. How I got to that frontier date, I, I sincerely see a mystery. We also talked about Pastor Daly initially wanting to study medicine and then deciding against it. Okay, I was actually in a meeting. I still remember the meeting and the Lord said, you know. This was in secondary school, sorry. Yeah, secondary school, yeah. I was, SS I was secondary school. SS3. Okay. So I went for this meeting, you know. And the Lord said, you're not going to study medicine. I wanted to study agriculture and so that you can have time for the work I'm going to give to you on campus because I have a special work for you, a special assignment. And, and, and looking back, truly, by the time I got to university and the fellowship started, and became what it became. There was no way I would uh, be able to do the things I, I did if I was a medical student. And one, we have to suffer. You, you, you see what I mean? So it's either I, I face the med school and leave the ministry or face the ministry and I become, you know, Swasong, um, you know. I mean, not a Swasong, a byword, you know, in, in the med school, uh, you know, so... Either way, I wouldn't seek glorify God because, I mean, I'll, I'll be, I'll not be fervent in the street and I'll still be slothful in business. So, but with studying, because that is not that demanding, I was able to still excel academically, but at the same time, I was able to do the assignment God gave to me on campus. So, Pastor Dele graduated from Abel Kuta Grammar School and gained admission into the University of Ibadan to study agronomy. Now it is one thing to give your life to Christ. It is an entirely different thing to build first a fellowship and then a church. So as Pastor Dilly got into the university, the first thing he did was search for a model he could use. The university for me was my, was my seminary, a ministry training program. So I used to joke, 
I, I used to say I'm a, I'm a part-time student and a full-time minister <laughs> because that was what I was. So university for me was just the high point of my training. Thank God and uh, pastor a very dynamic campus fellowship. Touched. Was that your final year? No, no, I started pastoring from my tutorial level. Oh, okay. So you had joined in 100 level and then you became the fellowship's pastor in 200 level. Yes, yes. No, 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 I didn't join. I started the fellowship. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was the founder of the fellowship. I founded You didn't want to join? No, 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 no. Like I told you from secondary school, the Lord already told me he had an assignment for me in the university. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, that was clear what I was going to UI to do. So, so I had to spend my hundred level trying to understand the system. So I was just going around fellowships, you know, okay. brand new the system. So at twenty level, I started out and uh, pastored it for the first five years, and handed over. And uh, so, and the fellowship is still there. This is uh, we are preparing next year to do the twenty fifth anniversary. Wow, fellowship is still there and it's still vibrant. It's going to be twenty five years next year. So you knew already what you were going to be set out or what you're going to do when you got into the university. So in 100 level, I guess in some way we can say you're doing research before you launched the idea. Yes, yes. I I went around searching to see, you know, I was very new in the system. I wanted to see what fellowships were doing. uh, Okay. And what did you learn from your search in 100 level? I just learned that, look, I mean, it's no big deal. I mean, these guys who are doing the work are also students like me. And um, oh, I was inspired, you know, to to see that I was doable. So, Does it mean I, you had fears initially? Not really. Not really. Or doubts? Not, not, not doubts. What, what I had was that I didn't have a model. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see anyone doing it before I entered. You know, I mean, it's another thing for a lot to put something in your heart, but you've not really seen anyone. So now going around when I got to under level, now afforded me, you know, the opportunity to see at least somebody doing what oh, the Lord has put in my heart to do. So, I mean, that was, so it was that model. I mean, somebody modeling it and doing it. Okay. That was significantly lacking in my experiences at the time. But the moment I saw someone doing it, and see, I saw this in the parent fellowship, and they're like, oh, this guy started when he was in Toronto. And I'm like, oh, good. I mean, so it's not in final years. I was in Korea. So it's doable. So let's go for it. Mm-hmm. So Pastor Dele found a model and started the Vessels of Honor Foundation, VHF. How did he start? I just went to the lecture theater. For, you know, I was already in 200 level, so I went to lecture theater for the 100 level that just came in, 100 level student. And I just announced to them that I was having a free, Christian Freshers Conference. Okay. And they came, you know, because I was always going to the electron theater to preach every day. Okay. So they came, and, and that was how the first year was from that program, first year started. Okay. How many? Oh, okay. How many attendees did you have? Can you remember? How many? Attendees did you have? Yeah, for the first day of the conference, we were over 100. Second day, we were like 50. And the first fellowship meeting, we were like seven. Okay. Did you get discouraged in between? No, not really. Because I I knew it would take time for it to grow. And to the glory of God, it started growing, and it grew very fast. So you didn't expect immediate growth. You had prepared your mind already that um, it would yeah, be... Yeah, that, that, that to grow as the Lord wants us to grow. So and it started growing. Mm. Mm. Okay. And so you grew from seven to... Mm, I, can't, I can't really remember the number. Okay. It was a very large fellowship. It was very massive. Mm, okay. At least several hundreds, yes. By the time you graduated? 
Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. Uh, and what were the lessons you would say you learned from starting that? Pioneering. Okay. How to partner from the scratch because I didn't have money as a student and I was using the best facility on campus and I was paying. Then, of course, apart from partnering, our faith works, believing God for resources. Mm-hmm. Could you give an example of that? We didn't have money. We were, okay, our first meeting, I just went to the conference center and I told them I, I wanted to use the place. They said we should pay. I said, no, I'll pay after the meeting. So I went into the meeting and as God, we have it. I said, I remember the person came from the blue side and just said, I told him to come and give us some money. And the person did not join the fellowship, just said, was in his room and God told him to go again. And, and he brought a whole lot of money. And that was how I was wow. able to pay for this. So that was how we started believing God. And eventually, before you know, using that venue was not a problem again. Because mm. the time now came, we had more than enough. Wow. Okay. And that was why you see that you had been focused on just class and fellowship. You didn't really have them to explore the areas. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, and running. So yes, you learned about pioneering, but what else, what other lessons would you say you learned from doing that for, I guess, three, I four years? Leadership, pioneering, how to handle young people. Okay. How to, how to touch lives. How to, of course, resource management. Because as a pastor of the fellowship, you also have to manage your resources. So stewardship, how to live for all that selflessness. So the list is endless, a whole lot of lessons. Mm-hmm. Were there any embarrassing first efforts or clumsy mistakes? Not really, other than possibly the only thing was, um, like I said, I I was very hard on people because I felt they should grow. So it was tough. Um, But I was also a very nice guy. But just that when it comes to your spiritual life, I I don't take no for an answer. I just wanted to bring out the best in everybody. And, and, and at this point, who were your influences or people that you listened to or people that, I guess, or was it just the Bible and hearing from no. God? Firstly, Bishop Francis Wale, okay. Okay. Then, in all those years, Bishop Oedipo. And this was listening to their messages and reading their books? Oh, man. People, I, I had over, I'm not joking, in my possession, I had over 1,000 Bishop Edipo messages, tips. Mm. Personal effects, yeah. And you are listening to it every single day? I listen every day. In fact, a day, I mean, I I wouldn't call it a day without listening to Bishop Edipo in those days. And what was driving you then to listen? Was it the vision that you had gotten then in secondary school? Yes. And the fact that the teachings of Joy Dupo at the time really made so much sense to me. Okay. Um, I mean, highly impactful. But you see, the, the turnaround for me was when I now met Pastor Bakari. Pastor Bakary's teaching just brought out everything in me. And that's why to date Pastor Bakary is my spiritual father because uh, I've I've been blessed by others, like I said, chiefly Bishop Francois Lokey, even Pastor Chris Oyakilome, and so on and so forth. But the one who has made a mark on me the most is Pastor Tony Bakker. So when and how did you meet him? So it wasn't you. I, I was the president. I was the general secretary of the Joint Christian Fellowship. 
So we had this joint Christian fellowship, you know, coming together of all the fellowships. Okay. Then I was now to become the president. So usually when a set is handing over to a set, we have a special program. So we would have a special program, beg pardon. So we, as predecessor, now decided for that special program that we should invite Pastor Bakary. So and as God we have it, we wrote him, and he, he wrote us back that I was going to come, and he came. And I was just making the announcement. And by the time I came to sit down, I just leaned towards me because I was seated beside him. He said, when are you coming to see me? I was like, where do you want me to come and see you? So I went to see him. That was how we met. But before then, God has showed me series of visions and dreams that we're going to meet. And um, so we were looking forward to that. And God just did it in his own time. And so when I now said, he now said the moment I went up to go and make the announcement, that God just told him I was one of his own. Imagine, I mean. And that was that also, God already actually spoke to me that I will meet him. But in his own way and his own time, just walked it out and we met and that was it. Pastor Dele later graduated and went on for his National Youth Service Corps. But he knew that what was next for him was full-time ministry. What were your plans then? Did you have any plans after yeah, school? At the point you were ministry, And that was what I did. So the only thing that stood between me and full-time ministry was service here. So the moment I finished my service here, I got married and I went full into ministry. You started um, the baptizing church? Yes, yes, in Abuja, yes. Okay, so you finished school in... Did, did you serve in Abuja or how did you get to Abuja? Okay. But right from the time I was in 311, the Lord already spoke to me that I will start ministry in Abuja. I was okay. just waiting for Abuja okay. and uh, so immediately... After NYSE, I just relocated to Abuja. We will start preparing. How was NYSE? NYSE was great. I served in Nigeria Christian Compass Fellowship, so it was was wonderful. Okay. Then go to Abuja. So how did you start the baptizing? Just started. Just I was at Compass Fellowship. We called a couple of friends. I had a meeting, and that was how we started. Leveraging on the relationship and friends you had back in Only, No, no, no. None of them was there. It was only a guy that I met when I went to preach in Lagos, Africa, Emmanuel Tafa, that was there to tell okay. me and my, my wife. So we didn't have all those. Our first meeting, I think we were, we were five. Okay. My wife and three other people. After that, at times, it would be three. How long did it continue for until maybe there was a jump? I think for the first six months, it was not funny. But suddenly there was a jump and, and God started and everything just changed. Within the six months, how, what was running through your mind then? Well, just like when the fellowship started, like I said, you know, everything for me is just about falling back and looking back to what God has done. To plot the graph of what God would do and what God is doing. So I just knew that it was the same experience, you know, that some like I said earlier, some dealings of God are repetitive. So I just cast my yeah. mind back on what happened on campus. Uh, this is just a repetitive thing. And um, just need to grow because I mean, it's of God. And with time, they're growing. And there we are today by the grace of God. So because you had done it in the university, sort of like give you some comfort. Yes. Uh, the first month, the, the second month, the, the third month. For I'm from the poor of the bear. Also deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Okay. Mm. And then growing it, expanding from Abuja to Lagos. Lagos to, yeah. When did you feel it was time to move from Abuja to it Lagos? It was 2010. The Lord told us to move to Lagos exactly five years after we started. And thank God we did. Was it an easy decision for you? No, no, it wasn't difficult. It was my wife that was a bit difficult for, but. Because I picked it first. I remember I just came to preach in Lagos as I was checking into the hotel. I was just by the counter trying to pay the money to check into the hotel. And the Lord said, you know, you are coming to this city to pastor. I laughed at first. I said, me, Lagos, what will I going to do here? Well, he kept on coming. He kept on coming. Then my wife, 
I told her she rejected the idea also. But eventually the Lord spoke to her too. And so we came and uh, yeah, that's the way it is. It's, it's always been. How long between when you heard it the first time in the hotel and when you finally moved? Is that? How long between when you heard it the first time in the hotel and when you finally moved? Maybe like um, about seven months. Okay. Mm. Well, like seven months, yes. And then starting in Lagos, how was it different from Abuja? So was it the same? I was same? coming to Lagos every week. When we started in Lagos, I was coming to Lagos every week. Oh, okay. So it's not like you moved fully. No, no, no. I didn't move. As I come, we're having a weekly meeting. Okay. Because, you know, I was involved with family. Children were in school, so we needed to be sure the school year finishes. So I was coming, but I did not miss a single meeting in six months. I was coming every week, and I did not miss a single week for six months. Mm. Mm. So that, that was what happened. Okay, okay. And then it grew, and then we had the branches all across Lagos now. Yes, 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 yes. We have three centers in Lagos now. Okay. Were there times maybe you doubted your, I don't know, preaching prowess? I don't have preaching prowess. I just preach. <laughs> okay. Maybe wrong well, question. I understand what you are saying. Yes. When you say, say that there are times you preach, and you're like, what did I do? Yeah, that Ex- happens. I mean, but the irony is that it is one of those moments where you feel I didn't quite deliver. And somebody will now walk up to you and say, ah, Pastor Dele, today's message blessed me. And they'll be sharing testimony. So at that mm. point, you just know this is not you. Because in your own heart, you are like, I didn't quite do what I needed to do. And as you are struggling, trying to condemn yourself or pity yourself, somebody walks up to you. And they're showing the testimony from the message. So what do you do? You, mm. you just remain humble. <laughs> mm. So so there, so you do have those moments where you feel that maybe you hadn't done enough or done as you would have liked to. Every every pastor does. I mean, you just feel no, 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 I didn't, I didn't quite deliver. But there's a moment also you know, God knows, everybody knows. <laughs> you deliver today. <laughs> so, so, we all have this moment. We all have this moment. Okay. Uh, looking at how far you've come as well, um, were there any insecurities you had in, at the beginning or any anxiety? I think that, was, that is another area in which God has helped me. I'm not, I've never been insecure. Okay. I don't envy anybody. I don't, I mean, jealous of anybody. You see, those things don't work for me. You know, I, I, I said at the beginning, I said originality shuts mm. down the noises around you. Mm. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm just me. I'm just doing my thing. And I, <laughs> say, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I don't care because one should, because it's kingdom. It doesn't bother me really what others are doing. I don't, I don't care to the extent of trying to figure out what they are doing, whether it's of God or it's of Satan. This is none of my business. I just face my work and do my thing. And when our paths cross, fine. But our paths don't cross. I don't know you. So when a minister is judging another minister, I'm like, I, I mean, I, do I even know that person? You see, I mean, that's why those things don't work for me. Because I only know myself. So let me stay with what I know and leave the unknown. Mm, mm. Was this something you learned or you've always been that way? I've always been like that and I also learned it. Okay. On a lighter note, we asked Pastor Dilly if he had practiced agriculture since graduating from the university. And here's what he had to say. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm practicing now. The sower shows the word, so I'm sowing the word. It's like a man that took a seed and went to his everything It's an agronomic kingdom. So I mean everything in this kingdom, that's what we are practicing, it's agronomy. We make sure we sow the seed, we make sure we minimize the enemy tears, and when we see the tears we remove it. We gather the weight into the bands and uh, angels. I see. The sower shows the word. We watch out for our sickle. When the harvest has come, we put in the sickle. <laughs> so that is exactly what we're practicing every day. 
Okay, okay. That uh, the vision from the church when they did evolve into trainings, the conferences, and the becoming an author. Could you talk about the different transitions? Well, I've always been, uh, I've always loved writing, even from my university days. So it was when I, um, when I got out of, um, I got out of uh, school. Uh, in my service year, I wrote my first two books as a copper son, and ever since then, I've, I've been writing. I've, I've written over 23 books now. The gist is that I write every day. Even today, now I've written. So what I now do is that over time, I put together all that I've written, and uh, so it's easy for a book to come out. But I also, times I sit down, I write an entire book. I've written an entire book in seven hours. I just sat down and started writing from beginning to finish, and that was it. We went to the press. Interesting. Yeah. Ah. And where would you say maybe that idea inspiration came from? Or you? Well, it's the Lord, sincerely, because I, mean, I, just, I just know that all my life I've been... I've been so intellectually endowed. I just loved the intellectualism. I loved the academia. I love, you know, anything that has to do with organized knowledge, you know. And uh, and if you hear me preach or teach, you see that I come from that background. My my teachings and my, the way I interpret scripture is very much centered around frameworks and concepts. So I'm very conceptual. Uh, you know, in my underpinnings, whenever I, and, and that, that is an enabler for me to see the world in another light, other than, you know, um, the traditional approach to interpreting scripture. So it's, intellectualism is a blessing in that it makes you to interrogate everything, to question everything. So you don't, you don't allow any assumption to fly. And the more you, interrogate things and, um, you know, without being critical, of course, I mean, uh, you realize that you, 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 you open up other possibilities and dimensions and that's basically what we do. Interesting. Now your point, I think would take me back a bit to the conversation I was having with DDK last year, because how do you draw the line between, I mean, you mentioned intellectualism and that yeah. it almost looks like it's at the opposite end with faith. Faith is on one side, intellectualism is on the other side. Because I mean, many intellectuals, I guess because of the intellectualism, they find it difficult to have faith or believe and that sort of thing. How are you able, I guess, to draw the line and draw the balance to maintain faith? No, no, no. I, 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 I don't faith. think so. I don't think faith is on one side and intellectualism is on one side because... If you look at the faith teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, and of course, um, extension that of Apostle Paul, you will realize that they brought a lot of intellectualism into it. Because, for example, the Lord, as the author and finisher of our faith, taught his faith teachings along the lines of uh, established intellectual thing, like um, using the recurring, you know, user story or user stories in agriculture, you know, to teach faith, to use nature. So, so I mean, that was the high-level intellectual thinking of that time because it was an agrarian society. So you could see that they were not just teaching this thing an abstract, as an abstract uh, construct, but they were able to bring it down to, you know. Okay, uh, I get what you're saying. Exactly. So, so it's 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 same today. I don't I don't see any difference because I mean, the mind that wrote the epistle as Apostle Paul, was intellectually endowed. I mean, as opposed to Peter and the rest of them who are fishermen, Paul was a PhD holder, technically. So um, in order for you to bring forth those revelations contained in Romans, Colossians, and you must, you must be high-level high intellectual, which was why when it came to writing those epistles, I'm sure the Lord did not choose Peter and the rest of them. He had to look for someone who understood the Greek culture, who was a Jew born a Roman. So as a result of that, his worldview was different. And of course, who also went to school and studied, you know. And I mean, no first also said, much learning is driving you, say Paul. I mean, you know, that was 
That was a guy that read, I mean, well read and that, you know, wrote. So it was that kind of mind that produced um, the, the greater part of, of the New Testament writing. So, and that is still the same thing today. So I believe the mind that God will still use today to take the church to into the next uh, significant event and sprints will be minds who are so intellectually inclined and endowed because outside of the intellectual framework, it is very, very difficult to optimize and maximize spiritual capital. In just a moment, Pastor Dilly will talk about the sacrifices he's made on his journey, his habits and practices, as well as how he pivots across his purpose, destiny, heritage, and inheritance. Stay with us. I'm Oshaye, and you're listening to Origins Africa Podcast. Hi, dear listener. If you love our show, please leave us a review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can also send us a tweet or comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. We love to read from you. Nope, not later. Yes, I read your mind. Do it now. Thanks a lot. Also, click the subscribe button and share with a friend. Let's make a difference together. One origin story at a time. Catch our one-to-one newsletter where we share with you one lesson two quotes and one question from each episode published. You'll find it at originsafrica.substack.com originsafrica.substack.com If you like it, please click the like button, leave a comment, share with a friend and subscribe. Also, you can now watch video snippets of some of our guest interviews. Simply go to Origins Africa Podcast on YouTube origins africa podcast don't forget to subscribe like our videos and share let's make a difference together one origin story at a time hi guys welcome back to origins africa podcast so through his faith journey what were some of the sacrifices pastor Dilly made the grace of god must always be appropriated by the efforts of men because Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God, but it's also said I labor more than them all. I think what has helped me over the years, the sacrifice is that I'm always, like I told you, when you're on purpose, you shut down the noises, you are not distracted, and that's what I do, I don't. So, so it's, it's the sacrifice of focus, like I said, shutting down the noises around you and focusing on what is important. And of course, sacrifice of, um, alignment, just knowing what your purpose is and, and, and focusing and not just trying to be popular. I think that has helped me. I, I don't seek to be popular. I don't seek to be known, but I just found out that the more I try not to do any of those things, the more people still like, like you now, I don't even know how our paths cross. I don't know. All I just know <laughs> that. <laughs> Here we are. That's part of the fact that I try to hide, you know, but I guess people just find me. Seek you out. Okay. So that, that's just for me. Focus, alignment, praying, studying, and really working hard, you know, pushing. Yeah. And, and like they say in the business world now, pivot. I mean, you know, you just pivot. I mean, it's, um, that's the way it is. So pivot and now uh, coming to you, how would you say you've pivoted through the years? Well, you know, like, yeah, they're not I'm so far from all that I've said, you know, um, I just said now, it's just a question of uh, um, just finding that central thing that is, you know, that is important to you and, and your purpose. And I, and I pivot around four things. My purpose, my destiny, my heritage, and my inheritance. So I'm conscious of those four things. And, and so once you just look at your life and you're like, okay, these are the central focus. You just want to be sure you are maximizing, optimizing your purpose, your destiny, your heritage, and your inheritance. I mean, that's for me, pivot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Could you touch on this for what they mean for those who are listening? Yes. Yeah, How is your purpose, purpose is different from destiny is, and so on? Um, is 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 your purpose is why you are here 
And your destiny is why you do your purpose. Could <laughs> you clarify that, sorry? So, for example, now, if my purpose is um, to, to be a musician, for example, I'm just another example. Everyone is predestined. So de- your predest- predestination is to conform to the image of Christ. So your destiny is the reason why that purpose was assigned to you. So the reason why God wants that individual to be a musician is that he's only in music. He can be conformed to the image of Christ. So your destiny is the reason for your purpose. So purpose is not an end in itself. Purpose is to achieve destiny. When people are in purpose and they don't achieve destiny, that is why there's crisis and there's disaster. Let me give you an example without mentioning names. A lot of popular musicians, for example, achieve purpose, and I don't want to mention names, but they didn't achieve destiny. So your purpose is your route that God has designed to route you so that you can now achieve destiny, which ultimately is to be conformed to the image of Christ. So, I mean, purpose is the gateway and, 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 and the value layer designed so that everyone eventually can fulfill destiny. And of course, your heritage is who you are in the scheme of things, why you are doing that purpose. And of course, your inheritance is what God has now laid in stock for you too. So for example, now, somebody can now start that music. You must not now know who you are. That's your heritage. And your inheritance is through that music. Maybe because we have come now, all that 500 other people also come into music or through that music, you break into real estate or through that music. So your inheritance is what the father has laid in stock for you because you have a father. So your inheritance is what you don't work for, but because God is your father, he has laid certain things in stock for you and true purpose, destiny, heritage, by time you combine those forces, where it will land you is that you will now begin to understand what your inheritance is and go for it. That's profound. And how do people find purpose or and destiny? Well, one of the greatest greatest pointers to purpose is to find your rhythm and find your bearing in God. At some point, you just realize that you are drawn towards certain things. Pay attention to those things. Pay attention. Respect those things. Respect your potentials. Respect what naturally gets to you. So it's as good as Moses waking up one day as a prince of Egypt and perhaps he came into his heart to visit his brethren. So at some point, I believe in, in the life of every young man, the, the force of purpose will knock at the door. But it's the ability to recognize and respond to it and respect it. Uh, that is the uh, variation here. Do you think purpose can be found outside of God? I mean, if someone isn't a believer, can they still... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just use example of people who don't even know God and found their purpose, but it's just... End of the demons is also leading to destiny, which is the reason for that purpose. Yeah, we, we've had people outside of the outside of the faith lane who found purpose. So they might not see it as purpose, just like a lot of people use uh, kingdom principles to do business and in life without. So so people have stumbled into purpose, but um, and some people have also come to recognize it. But you see, for the believer. It should be our default status because, I mean, that is where we operate. Okay. Pastor Dele, when was that time on your journey you felt most alone? I felt I must. That you felt most alone? Alone. Yes. As in alone? Lonely. Yes, you felt most alone. Alone, maybe a moment in your life on your journey that you felt like I don't know, maybe your lowest points. You felt most alone, that sort of thing. Sincerely, let me see. Maybe when I left school, and you know that time you're trying to find a bearing. Of course, I knew I was going to do ministry, but here you are. You know, everybody had expectations. Are you going to walk? And I come from a family where almost everybody is a professional, and they're like. And they don't see that ministry as work, you know, quote and unquote. So, I mean, so, but it was also a very good point because that's the time you now have to assert the superiority of what God has given to you over and above all the competing, you know, elements in the scheme of things. So it's also, it's also a good one. So, I mean, that, that to me was a moment where I felt I, 
you know, it was, it was a low moment, but at the same time also an empowering moment because he also now, you know, made one to go back to God and to, you know, spend more time praying and getting clarity because we're about to step into what is called quote and unquote real world that why you don't want to do it gambling. You want to be 100% sure that every little step you take, God will be there for you and that you are, you are in sync with the plan and purpose of God for you. So, so that's it. Okay. How, were you able to eventually, well, back then, how did you eventually convince your parents, I guess, or those who had the expectations that this was the part well, we had some, we had some talking. I mean, but I just had to make them to understand that look, this is my life, and this is what I have to do. My parents are very godly people, so of course, as parents, I mean, I mean, did they? Do they have a choice anyway? <laughs> but, oh well, know, I think some people have had stubborn or headstrong parents. For me, also, especially my father, he's also very matured Christian. So he has seen also over the years that um, that is a trend. You know, from time I became born again, I mean, you know, he has seen my journey. And he has seen that the hand of the Lord was upon me. So it was, it was easy for them to agree. And I guess now, after many years now, they've seen that it was the right thing to do. Okay. Okay. So now generally looking through the years as well, what would you say are key lessons life has taught you that you'd want to pass on to the listeners? Well, be humble, be focused, Find your purpose and go after it and show, I mean, avoid the distractions out there. Just be the best you can be in God and do your best and leave the rest, and you say. Okay. What are three things you're excited about today? Did he say things? Three things that you're excited okay. about today. Okay. I love my family, my wife, my children, any day, any time. And of course, the ministry, anything ministry, you always get my attention. Then anything academics, you always get my attention. Those are the three things that excite me. So I love family, um, my wife, children, extended family, my brothers, my sisters. Anything ministry, any day, any time will be priority for me. It's exciting for me. And of course, intellectual endowment, anything intellectual, academics will always be something exciting for me. Any three things you've changed your mind about in the last few years? Yes. I've changed my mind about Bari. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Well, three things I've changed my mind about. Um, maybe, let's see. Um, uh, let's see what I've changed my mind about. Uh, maybe not to not to before I, I used to I never used to I mean test people I just take people for who they are but now I've changed my mind so I watch people now I mean I'm always very observant because I mean people have um, I mean people are people I'm sure you know what I'm saying so uh, before I used to just put 10 10 on the forehead of everybody but now I tend to watch more. So, I mean, relating with people. Then two, of course, I'll change my mind about how to also approach the ministry, you know. Before now, I used to feel guilty if you invite me and I, I couldn't honor your invitation, you know. But now, you see, it doesn't matter if, if I, I prioritize. I weigh the meetings, number one, spiritually. I mean, the Lord must speak to me and and if the Lord doesn't speak to me, I believe I have the mind of Christ too. So I also wait on, on the basis of what I believe is important. Because if I honor every invitation, I won't have time for any other thing in my life because they keep on pouring in. So, I mean, so I don't feel bad about that. I always make sure I do, I mean, what is needful and uh, do it right. So also, maybe I've also changed my mind about my diet and my lifestyle. Because now, in the last nine months now, I've dropped 20 kg. So I walk out now. Before, I never used to oh, walk out. Oh, interesting. Now okay. I eat well. 
but I eat healthy and I work out every day. There is no day I don't work out. So for the last nine months, and, and the result is that in just nine months, I dropped 20 kg. And I hope to. So that is a major, major one for me. For as a matter of fact, if you ask me that what was my greatest achievement last year coming to this year was my weight loss and my eating right and my change of lifestyle. You know, I had to change my wardrobe completely. Did my anything trigger it? Yes, I just felt uh, I was abusing my body in that I was overeating, overweight. And uh, so one day I just had an encounter with the Lord and the Lord said, I'm not treating your temple right. So I thought he was even talking about my, what I do in church. And I said, your body. So the Lord said, this body I want to use, I'm going to live long. But I'm not treating this body right. Or you might kill this body before you eventually. So I just had to repent. So from there, I went to do a study on nutrition. So I did a course on nutrition. So I got to know about food and how to eat right. And since that time, I've been eating right. I've been working out. And uh, without much ado, I was able, and I still eat three times a day. In fact, before now, I used to eat once a day. So the irony is I was eating once a day. I thought that once a day was because I was eating once a day, but <laughs> even with the once a day, I was still eating wrong. I, I mean, see. it was wrong eating. How were you eating wrong? Because the calories were too much for me. So that once a day would not be a major meal. It could be panayam or rice, but the measure will be out of this world to compensate uh, for the ah, fact that I, I eat once a day. But meanwhile, your body is not structured that way to eat once a day. Your body is structured to eat three times a day. So it's always better to eat three times piecemeal like that in bits and pieces other than eating it once. So you're overburdening your system. So I started eating three times a day and I started working out every day. And I realized that despite the fact that I was eating more, you know, quantitatively, but I was, I was, I was, I mean, I mean, quantitatively, yeah. So, but he was also eating very well qualitatively. So unlike before, I was eating less qualitatively. I was eating more, I mean, quantitatively. I was just overstuffing my system with stuff. So that's why if I was eating once a day, I kept on gaining weight. But now I eat three times a day. I keep on losing weight. And, and I understood that you need to put the best of both worlds. You need to eat right. At the same time, you need to work out. So the moment I started doing the two, the weights, I mean, I step on the scale, I just realized that one kg is gone, two kg gone, three kg gone until last month I got to 20 kg. It was easy for you to achieve consistency in working out. You know, like I told you in the first part of the interview, that yeah. is how things look for me. Once Being I said organized. It, yeah, organized it. And so now it's part of my life. You can't even... So it's no longer something that I needed to struggle to do now. You can't get me to eat wrong now. Put anything that is wrong food in front of me, I'm not going to take it. So it has now become lifestyle. So I don't struggle to do it again. And no matter how much I'm busy, once it's time for me to go and do my workout, you see me wearing my trainers, I'm gone. Interesting. Interesting. I know earlier in university you had mentioned that um, you had been focused on Christian friends. And I guess that's something, one of the things that you had also changed your mind about, I guess. Yeah. As you grew yeah. so, um So now, how do you, I guess, make or build relationships? Yeah, or, uh, now I have friends across the board. I have Muslim friends, I have atheists. Um, well, you know, I get along with everybody because, I mean, that was why I seen the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just as an opportunity to also win some. And because I believe you also have to be friendly. That friend was himself friendly. And you, you have to be, I mean, you show yourself friendly. And, uh, um, you know, so it's, it's good. I mean, I have friends across the board. And, um, but of course, my best friends are still my Christian friends, you know, so minister friends and solid Christian friends who are even not, not ministers, um, you know, so, but, um, so that's it. Okay. I, I ask this question generally, even though it's to some extent, I think I have an idea what your response would be. Would you ascribe your success or the achievements you've had to date to luck? 
or to your hard work, skills, and talents? It's to the grace of God appropriated by all those that you mentioned. I see. Do you want to shed more light on that? Maybe the grace is the first capital here. So it's the first form of capital that is enabled, and that's what has enhanced one capacity to generate funds. So those other things like hard work come as a result of, number one, the underlying grace that is a sustaining factor, because that is not there. You can't build nothing on nothing. So uh, we, we build this on the foundation of the grace of God and the fact that uh, so you now begin to labor, but grace is the fuel. Yes, what do you look forward to now that you are 44 years old? So what do you look forward to over the next years? I believe I'm beginning to enter the season of legacy. So I look forward to my legacy. So between now and the time I'll be 70, I'm consciously working towards my legacy, and which is a legacy of service to God, to humanity, and to ministers. Um, so I'm, I'm in the process of now bringing out another training program for ministers. So I look forward to contributing my own quota to training of uh, uh, generational ministers I'll come because that's my primary assignment now. So I'm developing on that coursework now. And uh, so I hope to contribute my own quarter to that and to to also be available to do every other thing the Lord will have me to because um, the Lord keeps on giving us this assignment and it keep on changing from time to time. So, And these assignments are in furtherance of your purpose, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're always, they're always been sinking. Okay. Uh, is there any question? So if you were in my shoes, is there a question you'd have asked yourself that I've not asked you yet? Well, if you were in my shoes, is there a question you'd have asked yourself that so I've not asked is that I'm not in your shoes. Because I don't know. <laughs> but, okay, this is you send me your question shoes. that I've not asked you that you think... You don't ask about love, about marriage. Um... Fair points. Okay. <laughs> do, do you do you do you want to touch on that briefly? Yes, yes. You didn't ask how I met my wife and all those things. How my love story started and my love life. Oh, because I was focused on you, I guess, living your dreams. And oh, my wife is also part of work. Okay. Because I mean, that. if you don't want to be set with love life, you know, everything is just cut out. Mm. Okay. I recall you mentioned that, I mean, you had asked someone, then the person had said no, and then that was how you figured out that um, it wasn't God's plan, I guess. My wife is just God's God's choice for me, and I thank God I met her. So our love story started on campus. I was a pastor. Um, We met in the campus fellowship. Our love story started, and... uh, in the process, she also became a pastor in the same fellowship. So she was my associate pastor from campus. And uh, that was how we started. And we both knew we were meant for one another. And thank God we respected it. And where we are today, married. When you say you both knew, sorry, what does that mean? What, what was this? The, the first day we met, the first day I met her, I knew she was my wife. And oh. she also knew it was her husband. She knew. Well, both of us did not talk about it. We just pretended as if we didn't Sorry. know. So how did you know? Okay, I was a pastor of the fellowship. I called her out. I didn't know her from anywhere. My, okay. my associate was with me. She was a fresher there. And there were some freshers who um, sold. We were preparing for our anniversary then. Who sold good tickets. We were preparing for the first anniversary of the fellowship. So he just told me that I should appreciate those who had sold a lot of tickets just to encourage others. And she now happened to be one of those I called out. And as I called her, she stood up as he was coming towards me. The Lord just told me, I mean, this one was audible voice. He said, that is your wife. <laughs> and unknown to me, the same thing was happening to her. As she was coming towards me, the Lord told her, to, that is your husband. And both of us pretended as if we didn't hear anything. Interesting. And when did it? I just looked at that and I said, okay, you know, that kind of thing. Even for like a month or so thereafter, I didn't even talk to her. <laughs> because, I mean, I was like, ah, like that, you know, just like that, you know. And in her mind, too, she too knew, and she too just acted as if she didn't know anything. 
until the day, and I went to talk to her. I was there talking about it. That was when she. This was how many months after? This was like maybe like six months or thereabouts after. Okay. Since since you've led us to marriage and family now, so looking through the years, I don't want to ask a lot. And aside, um, well, aside God, the Holy Spirit, what would you say has been the single most important thing that has led to the success of your marriage to date? Well, it is um, showing understanding. And I'm working in love, sincerely. I mean, that's it. Um, my wife and I, like I usually say, I have never used any of those hard words on my wife to say you're stupid. Even when we have an argument or whatever, you know, you just understand that, look, I mean, we, we do all this in love and there's no no hard feelings, you know. So, I mean, that's really helped. So, we're, we're just cool together. I mean, it's, uh, so it's a love, love. So it's, it's not just... Understanding whenever there are issues, face the issues, not necessarily the person, you know, and to separate the issues from the person and deal with the issues, uh, you know, because a lot of people want to deal with the person, not the issues. <laughs> so, I mean, so we deal with the issues, not necessarily deal with the person. And did you learn this over time, maybe initially? Yes, yes, over time, because we're dealing with. So, within our courtship period, we've already perfected a lot of things. we now I've come to embracing our marriage. So this country has also helped. Okay. What did you learn the hard way on your journey? Disobeying God. I think I've shared that earlier with you. Yes, you did. You did. So that was what you learned the hard way. Yes, yes. Mm. Okay. Uh, my final question would be, who would you like me to interview next? Ah, I don't even know who I've interviewed before. So. <laughs> no, but generally, with the focus of the podcast, exploring the origin stories of people who have made it. come true. Yes, I have. That's my associate pastor. Maybe she also interview her husband, Pastor Dati It's also okay. a very solid network in the people. Now, about the Vessels of Honor Foundation the vision and possible expansion into other universities. Here's what Pastor Dilly had to say. There was a time when I first moved to Abuja, we had a chapter in the University of Abuja, and we also had in Ibano Polytechnic. So we were able to scale it at least to those two other institutions. We were to start in Unilag, but um, that was when uh, a particular social strike status we could it. So we had a vision for new life. But that's that's where we are pretty much now. Okay. Do you still see it scaling to other universes? Or well, it depends on the young people now who are who are you know the younger generation. So because you know it's a vision that we have um, delegated now. <laughs> so I see, I see. I'm not on the campus now, so I don't fit in. But I, I, I think after 25 years, we'll have a conversation and possibly encouraging young people at the end of affair now to try to see what, um, I mean, they can do with it. Okay. So would you say Vessels of Honor Foundation is like the university chapter of baptizing church? No, not at all. Not at all. They're two different visions. Um, that one is just a campus fellowship. Of course, as, as, if, as the founding pastor, they still have a relationship with me in that regard, but it's an independent work, you know, with his own vision, not necessarily an extension of the baptizing church. Maybe an extension of my own ministry as an individual, since I'm also the founding pastor, but not the baptizing church. That's Pastor Dili Oshumakinde. He's the founding pastor of the Baptizing Church. Thank you for listening to our show this week. If you liked it, do leave us a review, a comment, and share with your friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and to tell another friend. We would also love to read from you. So please, do send us a tweet or leave a comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. You can also write to us at OriginsAfricaPodcast at gmail.com. 
Remember, do subscribe at wherever you get your podcast. Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, amongst others. Catch our one-to-one newsletter where we share with you one lesson, two quotes, and one question from each episode published. You'll find it at originsafrica.substack.com originsafrica.substack.com And of course, if you like it, please click the like button, leave a comment, share with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe. Join us next time as we have a chat with John Obidi, the Director of Growth and Partnerships at Abit Networks and founder of Head Start Africa Community, formerly Smart B-Camp. I'm Oshaya and you've been listening to Origins Africa Podcast. Bye for now. My father told me life is not a bit of roses. You gotta put your way to the plow, do the work to smell the roses. Don't back down. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, don't back down. When things get tight, get the drive.